Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Come on, how many excited about the word? I'm going to feed you today this morning. I'm going to feed you some good filet mignon this morning. I'm going to get you I'm going to get you something that I believe that you will need for your soul, uh, for your spirit. And I, I'm going to ask you not to be distracted or don't hear the lies of the enemy. I want you to come expecting. Everybody say, I expect the Lord to speak to me in the house of God. See, one of the things that needs to happen again in our hearts, I believe, is when we get dressed and go to church, it's not so much um, if it's our style or if I'm going to feel goosebumps. Expect to hear and receive from the Lord. Actually, you know what Sunday morning should be? It's just a recharge for what you're doing all throughout your week. And you come together, you're recharged, and you leave equipped and blessed and strengthened in the name of Jesus. Come on, say amen. Uh, let's pray real quick, and then I'm, I'm going to share uh, with you what I believe is going to be very impacting for you. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would anoint my words, that you anoint your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray, that, Lord God, that it would not come on deaf ears. Lord God, that but you would release it with conviction, with signs and wonders, with hope. Lord God, that you would help us to understand how do we remain obedient when God doesn't make sense. I want to ask you, Lord God, that you would reveal, Lord God, truth today and that you would pierce it to our hearts, that we would carry this for the rest of our lives. <laughs> In Jesus' name. And everyone said, now before I turn to the book of Ruth, you know, the book of Ruth is, is interesting because every time we talk about the book of Ruth, who are we usually talking about? Ruth, right? But today, I, I mean, I've been studying the Bible for years, and I restudy the book of Ruth, and I'm, I'm wondering why it wasn't called the book of Naomi. Because really, if you really think about it, even the restoration or the good things that happened to, to Ruth wasn't possible without Naomi. All right? And it was Naomi, when you read the scriptures, like I'm going to read in a few minutes, who experienced the most pain emotionally. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I've experienced physical pain, but emotional pain is very, very hard because it's crushing it's a crushing feeling. So it's like you feel this double pain. You feel a crushing in your emotions, and your heart feels it. Your actual heart feels it, right? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you from the book of Ruth just a couple of chapters. We're probably going to read uh, uh, 20 verses uh, in the beginning. I'm not going to have too much afterwards, but I want you to get a good foundation. But before I do, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever heard God tell you to do something that doesn't make sense? Have you ever read something in the Bible and God convicted you to do it that didn't make sense in the season that you're in? Have you ever heard the voice of the Lord say, I want you to, to give when you have nothing and you're saying, get behind me, Satan. And the Lord's like, that's not Satan, that's me, right? Have you ever asked the Lord, why, listen, or where are you? Has anyone ever, or just me, has anyone ever said, Lord, where are you? Has anyone ever asked that question? I've asked that question many times. It's okay to ask that question. Have you asked yourself, Lord, you're not making sense in my life. I'm doing the tithing, and I'm doing the reading, and I'm doing the prayers, and I'm doing the fasting, and I'm trying to stay holy, and I get no answers. You're silent. Where are you? Well, if you've ever felt like saying, God, where are you? I believe 
you're going to relate to the story in this message this morning. If you've ever had to remain obedient when God doesn't make sense, this message is going to minister to you. I want to give a, a foreshadow this morning. It's never God's requirement for us to understand everything in order for us to be obedient. The prerequisite for obedience has nothing to do with our understanding God or his ways, right? And so I want you to look at Ruth chapter 1 with me. We're going to read from verse 1 through 16, and then we're going to read from 19 through 21. We're going to read in the NLT, the New Living Translations, all right? Now, if you don't have NLT, that's fine. It's going to be up on the screen. It's a little bit lengthy, but I'm doing this on purpose so you can get the whole story, and then I'm going to backtrack and share the whole context of this, and it's going to minister to you powerfully. Here it goes. If you're there, say amen. Now follow me because it could get confusing, okay? In the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine, whoo, I feel like preaching this, came upon the land. So a man, a man from Bethlehem, everybody say Bethlehem, in Judah left his home, left his home, left his home, and went to live in the country of Moab. Now everybody knows anything about Moab that was a very wicked uh, country, and it was the enemy's territory. We'll get to that in a second. He left Bethlehem, went to the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. Naomi, in other words, was the, was the wife of this man that decided to leave Bethlehem because there was a famine. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. Bless their heart, their, their names. Malon and Kilion. <laughs> they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Now, I want you to see this. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want you to read closely. Then, after they decided to move to Moab, they settled there. Then... Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One of them was named uh, someone that has a TV show, Oprah. I mean, Orpah. <laughs> Every time I read that name, I'm like, that's Oprah. No, that's Orpah. One of them married a woman named Orpah, and the other son married a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both, watch this, Malon and Kilion died. So you follow me? Now, Naomi is, is devastated because her husband died. That is not even enough. The devastation, 10 years later, now her two only sons died. Now she has no husband, no sons. Okay? Watch this. And it left Naomi alone without her two sons and her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people back in Bethlehem, Judah, by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, they got ready to leave Moab, the enemy's territory, to return to her homeland, Bethlehem. With her two daughters, she sent out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back, glory, to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her daughters, go back to your mothers and your homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. In other words, she looked at her daughter-in-law and said, listen, just go back to your own family. I have, no, I have no more sons for you, right? 
May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then, they, then she kissed them goodbye. And they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. This is her daughter-in-law. That says a lot about Naomi right there. That their daughter-in-law says, there's something about you, Naomi, that, that I want to go follow. Right? And so it says, uh, he said, uh, no, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? I know it's a little lengthy. Just follow me. Can I give birth to other sons who, who could grow up and be your husbands? No. My daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. And even if, I were, if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are more, watch this, bitter. Everybody say bitter. Say bitter. Things, this is Naomi, a woman of God. Things are more bitter for me than for you. Well, now watch this. I'm going to give you little clues here. For the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Notice that no, not one time did this woman of God blame the devil. She says, the Lord has raised his fist against me. And again, they went together and Orpah, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and said goodbye. But Ruth clung to her tightly and said, and said your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same, Ruth. But Ruth replied, this is the famous uh, scripture that people uh, share in marriage, but it has nothing to do with, with the marriage. You know, like in the, in the, in the wedding day, they, they say, your people will be my people. No, it actually has something to do with the relationship with Naomi and Ruth. Don't ask me to leave you, Ruth said. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. A Moabite woman said, your God will be my God. So the two of them, I'm almost done. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Now listen, is this really Naomi? The women asked, and look at what Naomi says. This is the, the crux of my message. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Instead, call me Mara. Watch this. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter. My God, I feel the Lord. The Almighty. She's saying out loud. You know, sometimes we say things privately. She's saying it out loud. Don't call me. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has made my life bitter. Keep, keep those scriptures up, guys. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Verse 21. I went away full. Watch this. But the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has, su has set, sent such tragedy upon me? Now, I want you to look up at me now because there's about three or four times, if you notice, that uh, the story of Naomi is a very powerful story about a person who started off right, and suddenly in the middle of their pathway in God, their life fell apart. In their searching for the Lord, their life fell apart. It went downward. And I want you to notice about three or four times that Naomi very confidently, very boldly, and very vocally said, God did this to me. God made me bitter. The Lord Almighty has raised his fist against me. 
Now I want you to see this because this is a very important, important thing to say. I'm going to share with you a little contextual background and then I'm going to tell you some of these biblical principles that I have to share with you when it comes to Naomi. Okay, In that time when Naomi was on the scene and the book of Ruth, that was a time where the judges were judging Israel. It was a very chaotic time. There was no king. Judges were judging Israel. So for about 350 years, there was a lot of just uncertainty and, and chaos and all this, all this stuff that was happening. Then on top of that, watch this, a massive famine came on the land of Bethlehem and then uh, the guy Elimelech, the, the, the husband of Naomi, he had this brilliant idea without the Lord telling him, because there's no record that the Lord told him, to leave Bethlehem when Bethlehem was having a hard time and go live in Moab, which is the enemy's territory, that was a very bad decision. I'm going to give you a foreshadow because sometimes when we don't understand what God is doing in the season that he's doing, when God is not making sense, we have to evaluate our own decisions at times. Sometimes we need to evaluate our decisions. I see that, you know, there's a meme that there's a guy with a board. You know, he's famous, the, the board guy, like the cardboard guy, right? He's funny. And the, I saw the other day where it says, not everything is a spiritual tax. Some of it is your own decisions. I started laughing, but it's so true. We call everything a spiritual attack, but sometimes God is not making sense. It's not because God hit his head and he's no longer making sense to you and he forgot how to communicate to you. It's because sometimes we, in our bitterness and our hurt, make decisions that we think is the right decision. But it's not the Lord speaking to you. It's your pain speaking to you. Let me preach this morning. Is, the, is your bitterness speaking to you or is your desperation speaking to you? It's your, it's your I got to do something to speak instead of waiting on God. Do you know how many people have launched out or stepped out to another place because it got hard and God never told them to leave? And so there was this famine and, 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 and this ended up costing Elimelech and Naomi severely. And Bethlehem was the blessed place. As a matter of fact, Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread or house of provision. They left the house of bread when there was no bread. They had left the house of provision when there was no provision. And they went to Moab and lived there and settled there for 10 years. I want you to notice, this is not, I've read a lot about this, studied from different angles. I want you to notice that the downward spiral started when she left Bethlehem. Read it for yourself. It wasn't this coincidence that happened because God is a bad God, or it wasn't because God was just testing her. You know, we could use that too. Well, God is just testing. Of course God is testing all of us. But sometimes things that don't look like they're making sense in our life has to do with maybe some of the decisions that we have implemented in our life. That point forward, after she moved to, to Moab, Naomi's husband died. Then 10 years later, who t- how many moms do we have in here? How many moms do we have in here? Imagine your husband dying, the agony of that, and then your two sons dying. You have nobody left, right? And so she she's, has, this, this, has very little options at this point because in that time, the men were the main moneymakers of the family, so she, he were, the, Elimelech was providing and so were the sons. She probably thought, I'm going to be a beggar for the rest of my life in a foreign land. I'm going to be out there. I'm this woman of God, this, this chosen woman of God, and I'm going to be out in the streets begging for money. And at this time, 
That's when they, uh, Ruth, as you know, she stood with her and she said, I'm going to be uh, with you. But I want to I start with all the, I want to start my real message right now. She turns back. She says, I've had enough. I'm so bitter. I'm so hurt. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, right? And when she runs back to Bethlehem, all the women are saying, is that Naomi? And I guarantee you it's not, it's not, like, it's not like this. Oh, girl, look at that. Look at Naomi. She looks so good. It wasn't, like, it wasn't that, is that Naomi. It wasn't that kind of a quote. It wasn't like, oh, girl, look, look, Naomi. Wow, look at Naomi. No, it was like, is that Naomi? You know why? Because of the bitterness and depression on her face because of life not making sense in her life. The bitterness of her face, right, watch this, and when, they said, when she heard that, she goes, hey, guys, don't call me Naomi. Do you know what Naomi means? Pleasant, sweet. Naomi means pleasant. Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me sweet. Don't call me by my God-given name. She goes, I'm bitter. Call me Mara, because Mara means bitter and miserable. Call me miserable. Call me Mara. Call me bitter, because the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, and I came back empty. I want to talk to someone today that went away full, and has come back empty. You, you, you've been dreaming for a, a life full of relational blessings, but you find yourself with a life full of relational hardship. And it's, you've, you went out full, you came back empty. You've been dreaming, you were dreaming of a life full of business and opportunities and ministry and, and, and things of fruitfulness, and you've come back empty with no fruitfulness or little fruitfulness in your ministry or your business, and your life is bitter. Or you've been waiting for that job for years, you've been waiting to get married for years, and you thought by now God were doing something that he was going to do, and, and, and he hasn't done it. And she said, call me Mara. Let me just say something really important right off the bat. Bitterness is a direct result of a hurt and hardened heart. And there's, uh, please don't throw stones at me when I say this. There's nothing more uglier in the spirit and unattractive in the spirit than a bitter person. Because a bitter person finds fault with everything. A bitter person, listen, if you're bitter, in the, in, the eye, in the eye of the person that's bitter, it's never their responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault that I am bitter. It's God's fault that he, I'm bitter. God has made me this way. This person made me this way. No, my friend did this to me. And there's nothing, you can't reason with a bitter person. Unless they get healed, you can't negotiate bitterness out of someone's heart. Oh, that's good. You, you, you can't say, hey, listen, you know, uh, you know you're wrong. They know they're wrong, and they're going to, and, and they're going to stand on that bitterness. Why? Because it feels good, because bitterness projects bitterness. And when you're bitter, you project bitterness, and you don't want anybody happy. Because if you're miserable, you want everyone to be miserable. Right? And this woman of God, this woman of God started blaming God. And watch this. Because of her bitterness. I want you to look at the first slide. Look at this, guys. Look at this. I'm studying foundation. Look at the first slide here, the first point. We tend to blame God when it seems we are stuck in a negative cycle. And God is not making sense in our lives. Oh, I'm going to say that again. We tend to blame God when it seems we are stuck in a negative cycle and God is not making sense in our life. This is a message for people who are saying, God, where are you? 
God, I trusted you. God, I read the word. God, I believed in you. God, I did all the right things. God, I was, wanted to be full, but I came back empty. This is a message for those that are saying, I don't understand what God is doing in my life, and I feel, I feel like he's forgotten about me. This message is for all of us, but particularly those who are in a season, watch this, who are misinterpreting this season and are seeing everything wrong. I put my trust in you. I went to church. I read my Bible, and all this is what I get. I started out full, and I came back empty. There's a couple of principles that I want to share from you from this story as I kind of gave you the historical background that I believe I saw. There's two or three major principles that I want you to receive. Now, listen, listen. If you're bitter, I have, I have empathy for you, but I'm going to warn you. Bitter people find it hard to receive truth. Bitter people are blinded by their bitterness because their, their, the camouflage is this. They're focused on all the wrong that's done to them that they don't see what's actually happening in their heart. Ooh, I want to say that again. Bitterness camouflages the true destruction of what's happening in your heart at that moment because they're always focusing on the injustice that's been done to them that they don't actually see what bitterness is doing in their heart. It's like I have cancer and I am, uh, I am camouflaging cancer with the food that I ate, and that's the reason why it gave me cancer, and the, the stuff that I did, or the, the, the inhalation that I inhaled, and not realizing that while I'm blaming all the things that contributed to cancer, I'm neglecting that it's eating up my cells. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? And I want you to know that bitterness is blinding. There's a couple of major principles, put that up there, concerning Naomi's life and how it turned out that we are found in the book of Ruth. Here's, the, now, here's where I'm going to preach, so buckle your seatbelts, okay? The first principle that I see in the story of Naomi is this. The number one, put that up there. The wrong place, everybody say the wrong place. And the wrong direction will drastically hinder the level of favor you walk in. The wrong place, listen, play, everybody say place. And the wrong direction will drastically hinder the level of favor you walk in. Oh, praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. There is such a thing as a place of blessing for you, both physically and spiritually. There's a spiritual place called holiness, called commitment, called staying in the lane of no compromise, that if you stay in that lane and don't drift, you will experience the favor of God. But this sounds old school. Everywhere in the Bible where God gave instruction to someone, he always attached a place to it. He said, you, Moses, you will build here, all right? Or, or, or Abraham, I want you to go there. Or listen, I want you to go back to Bethlehem. And there's, there's a blessing in the place that God has called you to be, whether it's a business place, whether it's a place in your home. Watch this. It sounds old school. Whether it's your church place. There is a blessing reserved for, listen, for that place. Everybody say place. Because there, there is a place that God has called you to be. And when you drift from that place, you drift from the will of God. And when you drift from the will of God, you open up doors for the enemy to be successful in attacking your life. Now you say, well, the enemy can't touch me. I'm covered by the blood. Watch this, watch this. Not if you have open doors in your life. 
A lot of people are saying, well, I don't understand. I don't think that's God, though. I don't think that's God because, you know, that this is not, this is not right. I'm, I'm covered by the blood. If you have open doors in your life, the enemy will be successful in attacking your life. And you will open up doors when you, watch this, leave the place, the spiritual place of commitment, the spiritual place of holiness, the spiritual place of righteousness, and you drift off from that place, you will still be loved by God, but you will not experience the favor of God in your life. Now, this sounds old school, but if you drift from the place or position where God has called you, if you're a business person and you're trying to be a preacher, you've left that place of blessing. Come on, listen, listen, right, listen, listen, listen. My, my friend Dan Springetti, you guys know him. He's just a little bit bigger than me. He comes in here sometimes, and he's spoken, right? He's a successful businessman. If he, ever, if he ever shifts and tries to leave that place where God has, where God has placed him as a businessman and tries to be a pastor, even though God loves what he's doing, he's not going to experience the favor of God in his life because there's a place for everyone of us. If I as a pastor leave the pastor position and be a businessman and neglect my pastoral role, God will still love me. And I, make, not, I may make some money, but I will never experience the blessings of favor like I have because I chose to be where I am and in the place that I am. Come on, come on. Unfortunately for Naomi, Elimelech left the place of blessing. That's why if I was the devil and I couldn't get you back to drinking, I would uproot you from the place that God has called you to be so that you will no longer have the blessings attached to that place. I want to say something. This sounds very old school, and I'm going to back it up. The Bible says Naomi left Bethlehem. And when Naomi left Bethlehem, all things started happening to her. She left the place, the house of bread, and she lived in the place of Moab. Do you realize I can't even begin to tell you guys how wicked Moab is in the sight of God? Do you know that Moab was so wicked that they sacrificed humans? And you know what the Lord says? I'm going to give you a scripture. Moab was so wicked in the Lord's eyes that he actually described Moab as a wash bin. In other words, look at, what, look at what Isaiah, no, Psalms chapter 60, verse 8 in the NIV says. It says, Moab, God says, is my wash basin. My wash basin. On Edom, I toss my sandals. Over Philistia, I shout triumph. In other words, God was saying, if my feet were ever dirty, Moab is my washing from my feet. That's how I view Moab, because they're continual Darkness and sin and allowance of all these things. Yet, yet, watch this. Naomi and Elimelech and their family decided to dwell there. I'm going to preach for a second. This may sound hard for some of you guys. You can't live in Bethlehem and Moab at the same time. You can't, you, can't, you can't experience the blessing of God in Moab and call it, you know, I'm going to RCC. That's my, that, that's my Bethlehem. But then I'm, I'm going out and drinking and getting high and getting drunk all in the name of having fun. Don't tell me that having fun is involving sin and compromise and God is okay with it. You're not going to be blessed. I'm going to preach it from the rooftop. You will be loved, but you will not be blessed with the favor of God. Turn and repent, my friends. Stop believing the lie that you could be at Bethlehem and Moab at the same time. You can't. You can't walk in, in, in Bethlehem and in Moab at the same time. When Naomi left Bethlehem, she went to Moab, and all these things started happening. This is a warning for some of you. 
You've drifted from Bethlehem, and you're compromising in Moab, and you're wondering, and yet you're having fun, and yet you're living it up, and yet nobody sees. But you're not going to be blessed with the favor of God because there's a blessing attached to the place. Come on, say the place. The wrong place and the wrong direction will drastically hinder the level of favor you have in your life. Oh, my gosh. There are some times that we don't even realize that we've drifted from the place of blessing. There's sometimes we don't even realize that we have drifted because, you know, in our culture, everything's acceptable now. Everything is acceptable now. I, 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 it's like, you know, that's, that's, you know, about 20 years ago or 10 years ago, that was good. But, you know, now, now this is accepted. Did the Bible ever change? Did the Lord ever change? Many of us are wondering, why am I not experiencing the blessing of the Lord, the favor in a radical way? I'm not talking about little trickles. If you want trickles, then go ahead and have Bethlehem and Moab. But if you want a faucet of blessing, it has to be obedience to his word. And you can't leave the place of blessing because if you leave the place of blessing, you'll be outside of the will of God. Watch this. The place of blessing is almost as important as the what you're called to do. You could do the what you're called to do in the wrong place, and God will still say thank you, and he'll, he'll bless you, but your blessing will be a trickle. Watch this. Watch this. You could, do the, you could do the what you're called to do in the wrong place, and God will not, you will not experience the full blessing. I'm going to show you. What if God told Mike Bickle, I want you to start 24-7 prayer in Kansas City, and Mike Bickle says, I will do it in Florida. Now watch, he will do the 24-7, right? But I'm not going to do it in the place that you want me to do it because it's more convenient. Watch, this is going to preach. Some of you, you, you it's, it's so convenient for you to do something else, and that's why you don't do it. But God never says obedience has to do with convenience. Mike Bickle could have said, you know what? It's sunny in Florida. There's beaches in Florida. If I'm going to do 24-7, I'm going to go with sunny Florida and the beach. Lord, I'm going to do what you said. But God says, no, I want you to do it in Kansas City. This is my opinion based on scriptures that I've read, all right, based on stories that I've read. I believe that he would be obedient to the Lord, but he would not have experienced the supernatural favor worldwide that happened with the International House of Prayer because God says, I want you to start, watch this, 24-7 in Kansas City. Ready? I'm going to bring it home to you even, even closer. God told me to start RCC in Apopka. Watch this. Not, not, watch, watch, watch. We're only four and a half years as a church, and wa watch what happened. So many well-meaning, well-meaning Christians said, Pastor George, if you start in Claremont, we will follow you. And let me tell you, I'm looking around, and there's about 30, 40% of our congregation from the day we started to now lives in Claremont. It would have been, it would have made sense. Come on, somebody. It would have made sense for me to go to Claremont because some of y'all would have only had to drive five minutes to church. It would be real convenient instead of 30 minutes to church. I would have gained a lot of congregation, a lot of people, if I just would have launched in Claremont. But the favor of God, like we've been sensing, would not have followed me if I would have gone to Claremont. I love Claremont, but that's not where God called me to go. 
When I was in Axum Coffee and the prophet Michelle said, I see you somewhere in the north. I'm like, okay, that's Jacksonville. That's Tallahassee. I don't want to move there. He said, she said, there's a blessing somewhere in the north. And as you, some of you know the story, as I'm planting the church, I'm driving down 414 from Winter Park. Sorry, Winter Garden. And I'm driving, and the sign says, Apopka North. Just two words, Apopka North. And I felt the presence of God come into my car. And I pulled into the Perkins parking lot. Glory to God for Perkins. I was, I was in Perkins, and I said, and I was shaking. And I quickly looked up map in the map. I said, what is the direction from Winter Garden to Apopka? And it's directly north of Winter Garden. If you draw... If you draw a line from Winter Garden to Apopka, it's directly north. And all these well-meaning people says, we'll follow you if you just go here to my city. But the place where God called me, the Bethlehem, was Apopka. So I said, even though I want to go to Claremont, God told me to start RCC in Apopka. And in six months of being a ministry, we got this ministry because we were in Apopka. Two years after we got this building, we own the building because we're in a pop. The favor of God follows the place where you're at. That's why if I was the devil, I will get you to leave where you've been planted. I'll get you so bitter that you'll convince yourself that this is not the place for me. And I'm going to go to Moab. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to go, let, let, let me tell you something, let me tell you something. If God called you here, called you here, I can't argue with, uh, if, if you don't know. But if God called you here, let me tell you, buckle your seatbelts. Because the blessing, the blessing, the blessing is coming when you're obedient, not only in the what, but in the where. In the where. I could have gone anywhere, and I'll be honest with you, in the natural, I look back and I said, man, I have had families leave. And I don't say that in, in a bad way. I've had families leave because they said the, the drive is just a little too far for us. And I said, okay, then that, that to me, I don't say, that's fine. RCC is not for everybody. But guess what? If the, the distance or the sacrifice has nothing to do where God has placed you. Hey, listen, a church alive is worth the drive, baby. So it, 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 don't, it don't matter. Here, here's the key. Here's the key. Where has God placed you? As he placed you in business, stay in business. Is he prospering you in business? Stay in that. Has he, has he placed you in a certain neighborhood? Watch this. Some of you guys know, and I'm not going to call you out because you're my friends. Some of you have tried business after business after business, but when, but when you find that one business, when you find that one place, watch this, that you see the favor of God in is because that's the place God wants you to be in. You, listen, God wants you to be in a certain place, even in business, in your workplace, because not only does he want to bless you, he wants to bless others through you. You say, love, there's no more Christians here. Exactly. That's why you're there. And some of it may just be for a season, but let me tell you, some of you have hopped from place to place looking for the blessing, and it's not there. But when you find the place, listen, it could be ugly on the outside, and it could be like just real weak leadership, but you start experiencing the favor of God. Let me tell you, I am not that smart to get all this. Listen, you know why that favor came so fast? Because I was obedient to the place. And if I could be just very upfront and honest with you, I didn't even like a popka. I was like, I don't want, I mean, come on, a popka? No, I, don't, I mean, 
But uh, God says, up. Uh, I mean, God, I'm a knucklehead. God had to put a sign that said, North Apopka. I'm like, okay, I can't argue with that. When the prophet said, I see you somewhere north, and I see North Apopka, like, hello, hello, knucklehead, look up. And I heard the Lord say this, you will build my house in Apopka. Guys, we're not even five years old, and God gave us this. Come on, give the Lord a big shout of praise. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Put it up on the screen. Put it up on the screen. Put it up on the screen. Our blessing is not only in staying obedient in what God has called us to do, but also in the place where God has called us to. I'm going to say that again for some of the knuckleheads like me in the room. Our blessing is not only in staying obedient in what God has called us to do, but also in the place where God has called you to do. I feel this by the Spirit. Look at me. I feel this by the Spirit. Be careful who's speaking in your ear to try to get you to uproot where you are planted. I see in the Spirit that some people are talking to some of you. You should leave that place. You know, Pastor George and you know, leadership, I just don't agree. Like, like they are the end all of all revelation and all power and all knowledge. Be careful when you have people, and the Lord showed it to me in a dream, so I won't say who it is, but I, I saw people's faces. Be careful who are speaking in your ear to try to uproot you from the place of Bethlehem. And if, if you text me and you say, was that me? And if I say yes, we'll have a talk, right? But the Lord showed me in a dream, and I woke up. It was, it was a vivid dream, and I, and I saw very, uh, pockets of people talking. And spreading lies and saying, you need to leave that place. And I'm, not, I'm not saying it was just only RCC, but it was just play, leave the place of blessing. You got to be careful because when you start agreeing to that, then you're on the way to Moab. And if you're not careful, just because it's convenient doesn't mean it's God. Repeat that with me. Repeat that with me. Repeat that with me. Repeat that. Repeat that with me. Just because it's convenient doesn't mean it's God. Just because it feels right doesn't mean it's God. Oh, glory. God's blessing at times is attached where God has planted you in. And you have to realize what's that place. Spiritually, the place is called holiness. That's the road. Spiritually, the place is commitment and non-compromising. Not perfection. That's not what God is saying. The place is not Bethlehem and Moab at the same time. 2 Corinthians 10, 27. It's not going to be on your screen. But it says you can't eat, drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons at the same time. Could you imagine that? Hey, Lord and devil, it's good to see you tonight. So good to see both of you guys here. I'm just enjoying both of you guys. You know, can you pass me a little bit of that righteousness, Jesus, and mercy? I need that. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Hey, how about a little bit of that, that sexual um, uh, pleasure and that little drugs over here? Oh, thank you, Satan. You're good. Just pass that over here. So great to have you guys here. You can't have both. I said this to my wife, and this is going to sound rough to some of you guys, but I love you. Even I understand now what Jesus meant when he says, I'd rather you be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. Because in, in the natural, you'd be like, come on, at least you have both. You know, and I, re and I felt like, I told this to my wife. I said, sometimes, babe, I feel like saying to those people that are compromising and, they, and, no one, and no one is telling them and no one is warning them, I feel like saying, just be the best sinner you could be. Just go. 
Listen, listen, just be, just do it all. Get it out of your system. Get it out of your system. Go to the world. Don't fake. Don't have one foot with Bethlehem and one foot with Moab and expect that God's going to bless you. Just go ahead. Be the best sinner out there. But if you're going to be a Christian, try to be the dedicated, the most dedicated, the best Christian that you could be. I'm not talking about without flaws, that you are all in. And you each say, well, that's hard. We expect nothing different from our marriage. Why do we think God expects something different from us? We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't say, well, you know, you're having a bad day. Go ahead, go ahead. Just, just, just cheat on me. No, you don't. No, you don't. And if you do, there's something wrong with you. You need to go to my office. I'll counsel you. Cast that demon out of you. No one in here says, it's okay. It's okay if you cheat on me for a little bit. It's not okay. Why do we think it's hard when, when preachers preach that about God? He's just being too hard. No, I'm just being, I'm saying what you want in your own life. Everybody wants, that, wants faithfulness, but when it comes to God demanding it, we don't like it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Say the place. Say the blessing and the favor is found not only in what I'm doing, but where God has placed me to be. Naomi left Bethlehem. She left Bethlehem. After she left Bethlehem, her husband died. Her two sons died. And I guarantee you, she's like, what is going on? Well, backtrack, Naomi. Seesaw. Some of the decisions that you've allowed in your life. That's like me trying to lose weight and drink and eating donuts every day and and blaming it on the devil. (laughs) That devil is a liar. Oh, man, these jelly donuts, boy, I tell you what. (laughs) <laughs> some of you are, some of you are going, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't eat jelly donuts every day and expect get mad at God for you not losing weight. That's trying to, listen, that's Bethlehem and Moab at the same time. Stop having one foot in Bethlehem and in Moab. Come back to Bethlehem. And here's news for you. If you're angry and you're bitter, everything that I'm saying is getting you more angry right now. That's a sign, by the way. That's a sign. That's a sign. If you're getting more angry and more bitter while I'm freaking, it's because truth is exposing your bitterness. And you don't like it. Guess what? You're in a dangerous place, and God sent me today to let you listen before it's too late. And then you actually do do leave the place where God has planted you because you don't, because you're bitter, or you made bad decisions in your life, or you have issues in your life. And it's more convenient for you to leave than to face it head on. And humble yourself and say, you know what? I have an attitude. You know what? I messed up. You know what? I don't see things clearly all the time. You know what? Watch this. You know what? I'm not right all the time. Okay. Number two. Number two. Glory to God. Are you getting something this morning? The second thing I saw, watch this. A distorted view of God always leads to a distorted view of life. Naomi had a distorted view of life, of life, because she began to have a distorted view of God. When you have a distorted view of God, because of your pain, all of life seems like everyone's attacking you. It seems like everyone is bad. It it seems like God is against you. Your friends are against you. Your pastor's against you. When you have a distorted view of God, you will have a distorted view of life. Woo, glory to God. Look at this, look at this, look at this next, next point. Anytime 
we don't see God as he truly is, we start to wrongly interpret what we see going on around us. Anytime, I'm preaching good this morning, we don't see God as he truly is, we start to wrongly interpret what we see going on inside of us. Naomi's interpretation was this. She started blaming God for her troubles. Let me take a moment to talk about that. I've blamed God for my troubles. And it only revealed how far my heart drifted from that place. I got to a place where I was like Naomi. And I said, God Almighty did this. God Almighty made me this. He's not answering my prayer. He's not making sense. It's God Almighty. Not one time do you see Naomi say it's the devil. And no, no one time do you see her friends like, hey, chill out, chill out. At least give something, one bad thing to the devil. Just blame one bad thing on the devil. She's like, no, the Almighty did this to me. The Almighty God made me bitter. Anytime we don't see God as he truly is, we start to wrongly interpret what we see God doing around us. And let me tell you something. It brought her to the conclusion that God made me bitter. It brought her to the conclusion it's all God's fault. Has anybody ever felt that way? It brought her to the conclusion God let me down. It brought her to the conclusion God didn't do what he said he said he was going to do or what he should have done. She was convinced that God was against her. Isn't that like us at times? Come on, church. Isn't that like us at times? We tend to be like, man, that's messed up of Naomi. No, search yourself. Search your heart. Isn't that like us sometimes in our heart and our mind? She suffered so long, and she said, don't call me. Don't call me, Naomi. Call me bitter. Could you imagine you're so hurt that you don't even want you to be called by your name anymore? That you're not even called by your name. You just say, just call me bitter. So that means every time I call you, hey, bitter, how you doing? Hey, miserable, how are you? That's what she was saying. Hey, miserable, how you doing? Hey, bitterness, how you doing? I'm bitter. That's my name. And, and when you take on a name, you take on its identity. So when you said, I'm bitter, that's you, what you're saying is, that's my identity. I, 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 am, I am a bitter person. It's hard to see light when you're in darkness. Preach. Now here's the good news. Here's the good news, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it with a good news. Despite the pain, Despite the bitterness, despite the, the things that God uh, that seemingly did on her behalf and didn't do, despite all the pain and bitterness that she was going through, watch this, look at me, look at me. Naomi, Naomi did something because I believe in order for us to uh, survive the season of not knowing what God is doing and not making sense, when God is not making sense, we must have deep roots in God that stems from a long time of walking with God. Because in order for us to survive the season where we don't understand what God is doing, we need to have deep roots that, listen, deep roots that stem from years of walking with God. Because if we don't have deep roots and we have shallow roots, it will literally up unplant us, uproot us, and it'll destroy that root foundation, and we will backslide and go back to the things of the world. Let me tell you, even though, watch this, here's a revelation, even though Naomi says the Almighty did this, uh, 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 I mean, God did this, here's what, she, what I find that she says. I find that when you call God, what you call God, especially in times of darkness, reflects if you know him or not or how you know him, right? If you're only saying, if you're only saying, you know, that, 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 that big guy in the sky, you know, he's taking up his time. 
you know, people are settling an award speech. You know, I want to thank the man upstairs. I guarantee you, they don't know God. Because people that know God, even though they're dark times, they call them with intimate names. Like people that know God, and even in the dark times, they, think, they, they call God names like my refuge and my strength, my Lord, my Redeemer, my healer. Even in their pain, they say, he is my rock and my refuge. He's a present help in times of trouble. He is my refuge. He is my shield. He's my redeemer. And when what you call God during your time of darkness reveals if you truly have deep roots in him. Watch this. Look at this, look at this point that I'm going to share this revelation. The way you view God, this is up there on the screen, and how you address him, especially during your dark times, look it up there, reflects how well you know him. Listen, how it reflects when you know God, you call him by intimate names. And even though, listen, Naomi was bitter, she acknowledged her pain, and watch what she said. This is the Lord gave me this revelation. Watch this. The Lord could have said, the, Naomi could have said, that guy up there, that guy up there has made me bitter. That, that man upstairs, no longer intimate words, right? That guy, that man, you know, you know how ladies, you know, ladies or guys, when we talk about someone that hurt, them, hurt us, we don't call them by intimate names, right? That, that fool over there. Yeah, that fool over there. Yeah, that fool used to be your brother, or that fool used to be somebody that you love, right? But we no longer call them by intimate names when we're hurt by them. But Naomi, she said, the Almighty, the Almighty has done this to me. You know what the word Almighty means? Oh, you're going to shout. The word Almighty in the Hebrew means El Shaddai. And you know what El Shaddai means in the Hebrew? Put it up there. Oh, El Shaddai means the Lord is, God is all sufficient, all powerful, he's ample, he's adequate, he's enough, he's enough, he's enough. In other words, the literal translation for Almighty is this, God is exactly what I need when I need him. Put that next verse up there. Put that next slide there. The, the literal translation to the word almighty is El Shaddai. And the, if you say, if she says the almighty has made me bitter, what she's saying is the literal translation of almighty is this. The Lord is exactly glory to God. What I need when I need him. He is enough. He is adequate. He is all sufficient. You know how she could say that? Because she had deep roots in her walk with God. Even though she admitted that God had made her bitter, she addressed him by my all-sufficient one. In other words, it could be said like this. The one who has what I need when I need him has made me empty. But I'm secretly saying that because I know that at any given moment from his, his reservoir of blessings, I could have more than enough for him. He's, she, what she's saying is, even though I'm bitter, God is still more than enough for me. Guys, I want, the, I want the worship team to come up here. Despite the trauma and the excruciating emotional pain that, that Naomi went through, losing her husband and her sons, she said, the all-sufficient one has made me bitter. Watch this, guys. Watch this. In other words, in my deepest pain, God will always be what I need him to be when I need him to be it. In my deepest pain, God will always be 
what I need him to be when I need him to be it. She didn't forget that there's a blessing coming if she just fixes a couple of decisions. She went back to Bethlehem. Watch this now. I'm going to say this and I'm close. What you don't see, and I'm going to reveal to you now, is that when she went back to Bethlehem, let me reverse. When she went to Moab, Moab, that's when the pain, the bitterness started. When she came back to Bethlehem, that's when the favor returned. Now you say, where, where is that? Watch this. The redemptive story of the book of Ruth, there's a point up there, didn't only include Ruth, but included Naomi. God did not forget about Naomi. Come on, say, God did not forget about Naomi. Say, God did not forget about me. It's so simple that it's so hard to preach because the blessing returned when she returned to the place of blessing. The blessing returned when she decided to go back to Bethlehem. They called her Naomi and they said, I'm bitter, don't call me that anymore. And she just stayed there. Now watch, here is what restoration looks like when you go back to the place where you drifted off. Some of you, you need to go back to the place of holiness because you've drifted off of that place. And even though you think you're happy, you're not being blessed with the favor that God really wants to give you. Some of you, you actually left a place. Some of you, I know this is not going to sound old school, but I'm going to say it. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. And if you don't like me, I love you anyways. Some of you, I heard the Lord say, you're this close of leaving RCC. I've never said that before, have I? In my four years. In my four and a half years, I never said it like this. But some of you, the, Lord, the devil has convinced you. It's too hurtful here. They hurt me. I'm hurt. This, this person hurt me. The Lord hurt me. The Lord is not answering my prayers. Leave. Don't you realize, my friends, that that is exactly what the devil wants you to do? That's exactly what the devil wants you to do, is leave Bethlehem so that the, the place of blessing that God has, the covering, will no longer be a part of your life. If you fast forward, watch this redemptive story. If you fast forward to the most famous story of the book of Ruth, which is what? Everybody knows this, right? Where Ruth finally gets Boaz. We made Ruth about Boaz, but really it's about a chapter or two about Boaz. Yes, there's a redemptive story in Ruth, but Ruth was a Moabitess, right? Now watch this. Naomi lost how many sons? Ruth chapter 4, it's not going to be on your screen. The Bible says that Boaz, a rich relative, man of God, married Ruth. And the Bible says Ruth then conceived a son. Wait, wait, wait. A son? Hmm. Could have been a daughter, but it was a son. And you know what the Bible says? That the Lord allowed Naomi to care for this son as if it was her own. Right there, that's healing and restoration of itself. It can never replace her sons, but God says, here is the journey of blessing to you. I'm going to allow Ruth to have a son, and I'm going to cause you to nurse it like it's your own. Like it's your, like it's your own. And the, and the women said, Naomi has a son again. That's what they said. Naomi has a son. But watch this. Part two of this restoration process is not just any son. That son 
was responsible for having the lineage of the Son of Christ of, of God coming into the earth because of the lineage of Naomi. Because that son's name was Obed, and Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David, and David from his line came the son of God, which many people in the New Testament said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's no greater privilege in your family line than to say that my family line brought forth Jesus Christ onto the earth because of my obedience, because I went back to Bethlehem. Because I went back to Bethlehem, there was a blessing waiting there for me. And not only did God restore me with a son, he restored me with a son that would one day be the grandfather of David. And David was the greatest king of Israel. And from David's loins came the Messiah. How many of us would say that from our choice to go back into a place where the enemy wanted to take us away from came not only restoration, but salvation for the entire world. Because someone came back to Bethlehem. When you get back to Bethlehem, you not only experience the healing, there's other people that will benefit from your blessing. Your children will be blessed. Come on. Your family will be blessed. The people around you will be blessed. The people in Apopka are blessed because we're here. I, I don't say that arrogantly. I say that because we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. God had a plan for Apopka, and you are part of it. This is the last verse. Ruth 4, just so you can see it yourself. Verse 13. Look at this. How many get in touch by the Lord? So Boaz took Ruth, into verse 13, into his home. And she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. She gave birth to a, watch, a son. And the woman, the women of the town said to Naomi, now I want you to see this revelation. I never saw it until yesterday. Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. Watch this. May this child be famous in Israel. Now I want you to see the next verse that H-E, he is lowercase. It's not God. Watch this. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. You know what he's talking about? Not the Lord. Not Boaz. The child. The son. That son. May he restore you. In other words, may he be that son that you lost and may he take care of you in your old youth. In other words, God's saying, that son is one of my instruments of blessing to help restore your heart and heal your heart. I remember one time, I wasn't planning on sharing this, I lost my grandfather in 2004, 2005, and it's just the kiss of God. I went to Ukraine, and I preached Ukraine, and I kept staring at this guy. And this guy, has, I mean, he looked, and, 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 I, and I kept preaching, and I kept staring at this guy. He's probably in his 70s, white hair, and... and uh, he said, are you, are you okay? He's like, I'm sorry. I was like, uh, you just remind me of my grandmother, grandfather. I said, your facial features, your hair, the way you speak, your mustache, everything, everything is exactly like my grandfather. And he's like, uh, what's, where's your grandfather? I said, he, he passed away. And he said, oh, and he gave me a hug. And when he gave me a hug for a second, I felt like my grandfather was hugging me. I want to tell you that in that moment, even though it was for a couple seconds, 
my heart just went. And God was using that man to restore and heal my heart. God used Ruth's son to say, I want to bring healing to you. And that son is bringing restoration to you. Why? The blessing starts when you decide to go back to Bethlehem. Some of you, I speak by the, by the voice of the Lord. You're thinking of leaving the place where God has placed you. Or it's a spiritual place that you have drifted off and you need to make a decision right now. Do you want to have fun? Have fun, but don't expect the blessings of God. Do you want to live it up and party it up? Go ahead. You're going to be miserable without the blessing oil over your life. But if you come back to the place of holiness, you come back to the place of no compromise, you come back to the place of steadiness, you will see the blessing return. Some of you is a physical place. Some of you, the Lord has caused you, called you to be in a certain business and he's prospering you there, but you got offended. Or he's caused you to be in a certain place relationally, but you got offended. Or, this sounds old school, but I'm going to say it, God has called you to be in a certain church, in a certain ministry, but because you don't like what's going on, or because you heard gossip, or because you got hurt, the enemy is convincing you to leave that place, or because it's not convenient. I've had people say, I'm leaving. Why? Did the Lord tell you? Not really. It's just, it's just a long drive. I'm never, never, never one of those pastors, ever. You will never see me, never have, never will. Never one of these pastors said, you're going to be cursed if you leave. No, you're not going to do that. Because I, I don't own you, and, and um, I don't know anybody here. But there is a Bethlehem for you. There's a Bethlehem for you. And if you could get planted out of that Bethlehem, you will lose the flow of the Spirit. Why do you think the favor of God came so strong on my life? Not because I had this uh, prayed 20. And I could have been very spiritual. Man, how did you, all these pastors, how did you do that? I could have said, well, brother, I locked myself up in my prayer room 10 hours a day. And I pray for 10 hours a day. And I hear what the Lord wants me to do. And I do it. No, I didn't even know how to answer that. I just said, stay humble and stay obedient. Watch this. To the place God has called you. And that's where the favor comes. The favor came to RCC because I just so happened, by the grace of God, happened to get the what right and the where right. If you get the what right and the where right, expect God to bless you. Can I hear an amen? I want everyone to stand up to your feet right now. It was out of the brokenness, pain, and bitterness of Naomi that the goodness and faithfulness of El Shaddai manifested in her life. I want to talk to someone today. I want you to read that. It was out of the brokenness, pain, and bitterness of Naomi that the goodness and faithfulness of El Shaddai manifested in her life. I want to talk to someone today who has been fighting depression. I want to, I want to talk to someone today who is believing for that job but never got it. I want to talk to someone today that was believing for conception. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.